0: <laughs> <Yeah>, I'm <it's>, uh, <laughs> uh, going just... to interrupt. This could be a long every... There could be a lot of editing <laughs> to do this week. I'm going to try my hardest. <laughs> It's Friday, October the 8th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Darroch, Dutch News Contributing Editor and the third Rituals Moon Sister, and (laughs) with me today is Balpeters, Master's Student in Civil Engineering and Government Information Film Heckler.
1: Yeah, Gordon, you insisted on uh, that we would mention the Moon Sisters. Uh, you uh, asked four or five times if it, if it could be
0: the op uh, of the week. No, I think I asked once. Uh, no, the, it the, was the, at least this, three this times. This is an exaggeration. This is a huge exaggeration. <laughs> but I, I was really keen to have this as the op of the week because I was uh, uh, thoroughly enjoyed this story about the two sisters, um, Lika von Lexmond and her sister Yetika. I think uh, who uh, Lika is a TV presenter with RTL. Um, uh, actor T V presenter. Actor, present, stuff, uh, yeah, actor, actor model P- presenter the like. B N, yeah. Yeah. Again the um, yeah, who were dropped by uh, Rituals, the cosmetics company, uh, for being for being too wacko. Basically, yeah. I think <laughs> is, is, is the short version of the story.
1: Yeah, but only the, she she was sacked only for being too wacko after people pointed out that she was too wacko.
0: Yeah, because they they they, they published an interview on the website uh, with these two Moon Sisters who call themselves the Moon Sisters uh, because they say they live by the cycles of the moon. <laughs> this is a thing. Yeah. the thing. The moon yeah. after the moon entered their lives the first time three <laughs> years ago. Uh, so I don't know where they thought it was before, but uh, <laughs> since since they noticed the moon for the first time, yeah, uh, they they've decided that uh, it, it it is uh, the cause of. Uh, all events in the universe, including things like uh, the stormy of the Capitol building on January the sixth, apparently. Oh really? So Did you say that? By, yep, that was apparently influenced <laughs> by the phase of the moon. That sounds to me like, like the plot to the worst Marvel movie ever made. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and are a lot of uh, yeah. awful Marvel movies. Even I'm worse, not Iron fan. Man three, <laughs> and that is saying
0: something, right? So yeah. It's a
1: uh, yeah, it's a weird combination of uh, astrology and uh, you know the moon cycle because they believe that every time the moon with a certain phase stands. In some sort of constellation that has some sort of outcome or uh, uh, has some sort of influence on, on 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 people's lives, and they say, "Yeah, well, just look at the tides. We have uh, we have tides. Uh, what is it, four times uh, uh, a day? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that must certainly mean that the moon influences our lives. Yeah, that's true. That's why we build our dikes." Um, but uh, that is uh, yeah, actually the only influence uh, the Moon has on our well-being and on our...
0: If there was one country in the world where you thought people would get exactly what the Moon actually does to the environment, it would be the Netherlands, you would think. Exactly. Yeah. But there was but, more about Lieke van Lexmond. Yes, Lieke van Lexmond and Nietzsche, the, 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 this interview was taken off Ritual's website um, because... Um, yeah, but basically, they they, they, uh, they they turned out to be uh, anti-vaxxers as well. Yeah. They, they said they were against uh, vaccinating, what they said was a compulsory vaccination of children in a battle against a pandemic, which turns out not to be a pandemic, they said. So uh, this was in a letter, or they said they, they signed a letter, uh, which was uh, put about by a group called Muda Heart, or Mother's Heart which is uh, dominated by more um, models, TV presenters, people in the uh, beauty products industry, like Dr. Uh, Kus, uh, for example, who's, who say that COVID rules cost more lives than they save, and they're against vaccination, they're against uh, the Corona Pass system, because it's taking away your freedoms, uh, and basically just think that we should uh, let the virus uh, yeah, do its thing. Um, so, uh, yeah, this caused a o- huge amount of OPF on on social media, particularly, I think, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so Rituals took Day Into down and they uh, put out a statement saying they support the government's vaccination policy. And uh, their, their only dealing with the sisters is uh, through the sale of their moon calendar. Uh, which retails for, for 29 euros 95 cents i believe if you if, if, if you want to order one um, and uh, discover how the moon affects uh, the months of the year
1: yeah you would think on the on the on the face of the moon and where it stood uh in 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 the heavens uh they would uh, they should have known this was uh, was about to happen yes it is a weird you know uh von van Lexmont and her sister they are these weird uh blend of people this sort of uh, a coalition between extremely right-wing uh, 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 voters and vegans that uh, seem to have found a sort of coalition in the, in this pandemic, yeah. and they teamed up, and we've seen that at the Waku Waku restaurant last week as well, where yeah. uh, th- this vegan restaurant in Utrecht that was shut down because they refused to ask uh, Q- the QR uh, codes of of customers, uh, and then it was. Um, uh, it, it launched a protest of of these f- first these vegans, but then they were soon joined by, uh, right wing groups and uh, and other people that uh, uh, yeah, sort of protected the the restaurant against the authorities. So yeah, it's. Um um we we see things happening that we could never have imagined uh, a couple of a couple of years ago I think.
0: Yeah, we see these you know, kind of strange alliances uh, in the 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 pandemic has has brought out. It's very strange to see even even more baroque combinations have we've seen during the coalition talks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, and speaking of the government, uh, Paul, you've you, you've uh, been having a go on Twitter this week. I think at uh, the at, 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 at the government for putting out uh, terrible information films. As
1: long as I can remember, um, every time the government has su- some sort of brain session where they brainstorm session where they uh, are wondering how do we reach the youth, how can we uh, bring our message to them, then uh, these brainstorm sessions always conclude with something with rap. So ever since I can remember, uh, 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 you see these government uh, information uh, commercials on TV or in the media or on on the internet with rappers. Rapping about the government's uh, uh, message that they are trying to send, and this week another one came out. Uh, they uh, they hired a or they um, asked a GGD doctor who is also a rapper to uh, uh, to make a song about uh, the vaccination program and how important it is for uh, also young people to get vaccinated. And it is just the total. It's always <laughs> cringy when 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 the government writes a rap. Right? Yeah. It's, it's yes. awful. It is. Uh, it's never a good idea. Never a yeah. good idea. I yeah. remember Pete Hein Donner rapping about, I don't <laughs> even rem- know what it was about. I also re- uh, remember the OV chip card rap, okay. um, where the government tried to explain the concept of the OV chip card to, yeah. the, to, the, to, to, the, to the, the people rap. through the medium of rap for some yeah. sort of reason. It is just very awful and, and just don't do it just yeah. don't do it um, uh, the police that uh, sort of um, uh, had developed an internal app for uh, for police officers called Rep uh, sort of response app it was called and they yeah. hired Ali Bey who seems to be you know the number one go-to rapper yeah. uh, uh, for the government for these sort of things I think he, he makes most of his money uh, <laughs> by, <laughs> uh, by writing raps for the is government he, very is very he, is, he, is he
0: like the state's rap- rapper laureate or something <laughs> like? yeah the rapper that's father. Sfadal- yeah. Uh, f-
1: very <laughs> gangster indeed uh, rapping for the ministry of uh, of veiligheid <laughs> yeah, yeah. and justitie
0: yeah but presumably he, he files all his bondages on time as well <laughs> to, to get his subsidies well, yeah. well, well no
1: not really because yeah. uh, the, the, the government also had an information uh, a, a program um, about corona a couple of years ago or a year ago and yeah. uh, uh, he was the manager of uh, yeah one of these celebrities that got paid too much i mean i, I can't really remember what it was <laughs> but uh, there was a bon boner uh, there was a boner involved yeah there I was a boner involved there's indeed a <sighs> it's always very sad to see these uh, to see these commercials because you know they don't work and you know they cost a lot of money and yeah. uh, it's just it's a waste, a waste, waste of time, time a waste of uh, and the, the Telegraph revealed that because they, they had shot three sort of um, three three commercials uh, one with a James Bond theme uh, with this GGD doctor uh, and that yeah. one cost I believe uh, almost 200 thousand euros to Oof. produce yeah. uh, but the government said yeah but uh, you know if this helps to uh, every corona patient in hospital costs at least thirty thousand euros so uh you know yeah. if you you only have to save a handful of people's from 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 getting into the hospital and you um uh, uh it was worth the money that's how they how they spend it but you know yeah. it's still yeah. a lot of money though
0: but but neither of those things this is the up for the week uh because uh we got something even more um uh outrageous uh, to, to get listens listeners with. So, so what is the
1: op of the week? Uh, yeah, the ophef of the week comes from Utrecht, where on Friday the Dutch equivalent of the academic awards ceremony was held. The Gouden Kalveren, or the Golden Calves, are held annually at the Dutch Film Festival in Utrecht. Big winners this year were the veroordeling about the uh, infamous Deventer Moordzaak and, uh, you know, our favorite... uh yeah, our favorite uh, polster po- Our favorite pollster that uh, is involved in uh, way too much stuff. Yeah. Um, and also the Slag om de Schelde, uh, won a lot of prizes uh, i believe it's called uh, the forgotten battle uh, it's now on netflix so if you want All to right. uh, watch it you can uh, you can see it yeah. um it was the infamous movie ang beilevelt was watching in the in the cinema while kabul wow. was falling and she was tweeting about that film while she was supposed to evacuate the dutch uh, right the the, the 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 people that helped That's kind the of netherlands appropriate,
0: really it? it's sort of yeah a, 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 a film about the war the while yeah. there's a war going on that you're ignoring Exactly. That's why
1: they tweeted about it yeah. because they they thought, well, she is the Ministry of Defense, so let's uh, let's tweet about a, uh, yeah. a, a a military movie. But yeah, no, the timing was a little bit bad. Yeah. Um. But this year, uh, at the uh how Golf Awards, it was decided that the award ceremony would from now on be held in a gender-neutral fashion, uh, which meant that familiar categories such as Best Actor and Best Actress were dropped and instead given to the Best Leading Role. So yeah, a gender-neutral uh, category. Yeah. Yeah, so, so one um, category
0: for male, for for men and women, rather than exactly. two separate ones, which I guess yeah. also saves on means uh, that the on the, the, <laughs> the <gold>. actually, <laughs> I guess actually saves on statuettes as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, a very yeah solution, I think though. it's uh, yeah. exactly, yeah, I think it was, uh, it was Wopke
1: was idea. hooks idea to, yeah, uh, to save. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was a bezuiniging indeed. Yes. Um, this decision in itself caused major upheaval last year among people who feel society is hijacked by left-wing wokies and was yet another attack on our precious traditions, but after the award ceremony more upheaval broke loose among the supporters of the gender neutral Gouden kalveren uh, because they realized uh, this year only men had won an award. Uh, ah. so yeah the gender neutral <laughs> award was only handed to, 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 to males one gender. Yes. to one gender yeah, yeah. and uh, many people were furious they said the attempt to become more inclusive had failed and they were wondering why would we go gender neutral if it meant women wouldn't win anything and others pointed out that female actresses simply have uh, fewer leading roles in Dutch films um, unfortunately given them automatically a smaller chance to win an award which is something that uh, you know uh, has to uh, need some work I think Yeah. But, Uh, Even though some had said the organization of the Kalf should be ashamed, the organization itself said in a statement the awards were awarded fairly after an anonymous vote by a professional jury. But on the other hand, if you truly uh, believe these awards should be held... Uh, should be gender neutral because gender uh, shouldn't matter. Then you know this yeah. outcome uh, would should also not matter because you're not looking at uh, people's gender, right? So, yeah, it's yeah, uh, this
0: kind of a, yeah, If one of your biggest movies of the year is a war film, then it's likely that the leading yeah. uh, the, the, the leading players or leading parts will, will be given to men. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, if if you then decide to to not have uh, gendered categories, uh, it, it is yeah. So do you inevitable. think this is just bad timing? Maybe slightly, and maybe it's just slightly unfortunate that I'm. I'm sure there will a film will come round in the next couple of years where the leading roles are played uh, are played by women, and um, but probably over if you look back over, yeah, the cinema of the last couple of decades, um, um, most of the leading roles, um, not just in the Netherlands but in general, uh, are taken by men. That's yeah. You know, whether you think that's right or wrong, it's uh, that is how the movie industry works. So yeah.
1: So um, yeah, but it was a little bit ironic indeed that uh, you know yeah. only only Mill had won the award. I, so, yeah
0: it's, it's a law of unintended consequences, isn't it? you want to uh, Exactly. yeah. on yeah. yeah. the one hand, you, you bring in a move that's uh, supposed to uh, encourage more equality and allow women to compete in a loving playoff field. and then um, yeah, th- it turns out that uh, society is still quite um, qu- quite sexist. Yeah. Exactly so This week we've got exciting news of a breakthrough in the coalition talks. Coronavirus cases are rising again, but not as fast as gas prices and yet another minister comes a cropper over the botched evacuation of Afghanistan.
1: Finally almost seven months after the general election the formation of a new cabinet has started but first we turn our attention to finance minister Wopke Hoekstra who came under fire this week after the publication of the so-called Pandora Papers. The documents published by Financiele Dagblad and Trouw revealed that in 2009 Hoekstra had made an investment of 26,500 euros in a company based on the British Virgin Islands. The company specializes in ecotourism and safaris in Kenya and Tanzania The newspaper wrote that while Hoekstra hadn't broken the law, the deal did make him a shareholder in Candace Management Limited, a shell company in the Caribbean tax haven. As finance minister, Hoekstra had put the Virgin Islands on a list of countries to which stricter regulations apply in order to prevent tax avoidance. He had sold his shares in 2017, a week before he was appointed finance minister. Hoekstra said in a statement on Twitter he wasn't aware at the time that the company was registered uh, in the British Virgin Islands, and he had always declared his shares to the Dutch. Tax office. Uh, after he sold his uh, his shares, he uh, donated the profits to a cancer research institute, and he fully disclosed his shares with Mark Rutte before he came uh, became a minister.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting that the, a lot of the defense of Hoekstra uh, revolved around the fact that it wasn't a very large amount of money, and he donated the. Uh, the profits, but it's just it—it's it, a fact that he's a politician and later on became the the finance minister. Um, and was, uh, yeah, investing via tax havens. And it's hard to believe his excuse. I think that, uh, that he didn't know because surely when you when you do your accounts at the end of the year, and you notice that uh, you haven't paid any tax on this company, that uh, it, it would ring a bells at some point in the eight years that he was investing in them i mean i i i I
1: couldn't believe that he uh that he forgot about it i don't know but yeah yeah, it's it seemed to be a little bit sloppy but but on the other hand, I do think that uh, this uh, scandal turned out to be not so big a scandal as we initially thought. Uh, I mean, yeah. when it when the news broke, uh, you heard a lot of um, uh, outrage in the media, among politicians, on social media. But as the week progressed, you noticed that commentators and the verdicts became increasingly more mild. Because, yeah, uh, yeah uh, uh, I think mostly people just read the headline and assumed that he had uh, dodged uh, 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 on a on a very grand scale, even though that was not really... Uh, really the case Uh, and and I think his explanation was also quite uh, plausible, he said. He was climbing the Kilimanjaro at some point. Bumped into a friend who told him about his uh, his his plans and asked him yeah. to invest in his in his enterprise. And uh, Hoekstra did. I mean, I don't know a lot of people who have twenty-six and a half thousand euros lying around, and I also don't know a lot of people with uh, with <coughs> already a just, shell yeah, company just, yeah. on but the Virgin Islands. But yeah,
0: that's because your friends didn't train in McKinsey. That's why that exactly is. because yeah. I'm <laughs> not.
1: I don't work at McKinsey. I mean, uh, in 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 that in that specific uh, uh, among that specific group of People I think yeah. this is probably very normal, yeah. and uh, also the correspondent did a very good uh, article for once uh, about the, the scandal. They put everything together and they calculated that Wopke um, Hoekstra uh, uh, benefited uh, a grand total of zero euros from from the way he handled, uh, 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 compared to if he had invested it
0: in the Netherlands, yeah, because he, he always did, declared. On the other hand, that. if he'd invested in the Netherlands, he would have actually paid tax on it, which would have gone into the state and would have funded things like you know cancer treatment. So uh, I think this yeah is a, bit the,
1: of a <laughs> Yeah, the the correspondent said in the article that that wasn't the case. So I, right. you have to read their explanation okay. and uh, and 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 call them. Uh, I'm I'm just uh, going with uh, with the correspondent article. Yeah. So yeah, no difference whatsoever, zero. Uh, and I think that um, the op that that evolved from this, I think, touches upon what uh, what Herman Willing called uh, the culture, which is. Uh, uh, which we have too much in the Hague you know this urge of this compulsion of the media politicians and the public to to sort of uh, uh, make politicians and ministers pay for their mistakes uh, how tiny uh, or large they are and uh, I think this is just one of these uh, this is just a good example of that a lot of people immediately said that hooksa uh, should resign after, after this news broke and you know a week later we, we all think that this is not really the case so yeah I think we should just stop Uh, jumping on every piece of red meat that is uh, thrown into the arena. Um, 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 Just take a look at, for example, the the motion of no confidence. It used to be uh, uh, very rare that that, that it was put to the vote. And now we have weeks uh, passing by that this uh, uh, originally nuclear option uh, 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 passes by three or four times in Parliament. I mean, it's just... Uh, We have a culture of of every time a minister makes a mistake, he or she should resign. And I think this bloodthirsty attitude, we really need to get rid of it. Because, you know, another big problem here is that uh, imagine if you are a very capable person, you're sitting at home, uh, you're waiting for Margote to call uh, to become a minister. And you see these things happen in the media. every tiny mistake someone made in the past even though you know 12 years ago Hookstar was in no way shape or form involved with the tax office or the Ministry of Finance he was just a private person uh, uh, with a lot of money apparently and with friends with uh, with uh, shell companies uh, uh, in, 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 in tax havens yeah. which wasn't that much frowned upon at the time and every little mistake you make in the past gets dragged on in the political arena and people uh, 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 demand that you resign I mean if you are a capable person now and you are asked to become a minister, you will think twice and will say, no, thank you very much. I really do not want to, to 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 step into this mess. And I think this is really a problem for for future uh, uh, ministers who, who are very capable. you are just scaring them away.
0: Yeah, but on the other hand, you can see that uh, Volker Huster, although there was an initial kind of storm of protest around it, uh, he actually managed to quell that pretty quickly uh, by the fact that he donated the profits of charity and that he'd... Um, he, he'd sold his shareholding before he became a minister and actually he got away with that and on the one hand you have as you say this kind of zero tolerance culture, the African culture uh, which makes it very difficult for, which means that any sort of small mistake is pounced on but on the other hand you got another African culture here where I think a lot of people who were angry about it was contrasted the fact that as you say, you have people who walk and the circles that he moves in think it's quite normal uh, to have, uh, you know, 26,000 euros of spare cash lying around and kind of just invest it in a vehicle which turns out to be based in a tax haven. He probably didn't know. He probably didn't check. He probably yeah. didn't think about didn't it. Didn't care. But nevertheless, he, did, he didn't care. And it's kind of the sense that he's not really that bothered by it, I think, is annoying. It really uh, upsets people who can trust it with how the parents in the the affair were were punished for the fact that they maybe at some sometimes they just they, they'd done all their affairs quite they did it spent absolutely hours sorting out your your personal administration and making sure you have the documentation all uh, submitted uh to to, to to claim your benefits and if you make one tiny mistake there you you, yeah. you you you're jumped on and you have to pay back tens of thousands of euros and that ruins you you know you don't ha unlike hookstra you as a single parent struggling along and trying to put your children into college care so you can work an extra couple of 10 hours a week, you don't have 20,000 euros spare. If the government says to you, you have to pay about 30,000 euros, you're ruined. You have to sell your house. Yep. Your relationship breaks down. You know, you can't look after your children anymore. I think that's why people are upset about it because you have this very contrast between how... The people at the top of society behave, and they can sort of just breezily put thirty thousand euros in a tax haven without even noticing it. Um, and how the government treats people who make very innocent mistakes at the bottom of the scale. So I think both, yeah, I think you have to look at these things in the round and say that yeah, we, we've become too intolerant, too punitive to people for making very small mistakes
1: yeah on all level of on all yeah. levels of society yeah, yeah i I agree, I fully agree um, uh, so yeah uh, the message here is uh, uh, stop uh, stop your zero tolerance uh. yeah
0: stop being intolerant, this is supposed to be the stop nation being intolerant yeah. except
1: to <laughs> supermarkets that play uh, dire straits
0: yes yes no the, for, for them, there can be no
1: mercy no so uh, back to the formation now, uh, because the unthinkable has happened and the negotiations have finally started uh, between VVD, D66, CDA and ChristenUnie. That combination of parties might sound familiar because it is exactly these parties that also formed Rutte's previous cabinet, uh, which uh, resigned now almost 10 months ago, by the way. Uh, since the election of March, we've seen endless scandals, meetings, we've seen informateurs come and go, who all uh, of, of in breaking the impasse uh, of under on one hand, VVD and CDA, who refused a coalition with two left-wing parties, and on the other hand, Dezessezestegh, who demanded exactly that. Uh, last week, Dezessezestegh leader Sigrid Kaag broke the months-long impasse by lifting her demand of two progressive parties, and this paved the way for the negotiations between the current coalition parties to start. Johan Remkers of VVD, he uh, he found some time in his busy uh, drinking schedule.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, was for being, re- and for being um, uh, governor of Limburg. And, <laughs> and he got had a stick and stuff problem, and <laughs> the other thirty jobs he's got. Exactly.
1: Yeah. He uh, of course led the uh, last phase of the talks, and he was reappointed again by the Tweede Kamer as negotiator together with Social Affairs Minister Wouter Kolmeis of Deza's sister, uh, who, by the way, announced he will leave politics after the new cabinet takes over. And uh. he said that he will effectively step down as minister. He will not formally uh, hand in his resignation, but he will just not be involved in the ministry anymore. Yeah. I don't know exactly how that works. I mean, uh, <laughs> you, then no. you can just resign, right? And who else is going to lead the uh, the ministry now in
0: the past yeah, months? Yeah, the, the social affairs ministry is kind of like a busy portfolio at the moment, isn't it? With the two era. It's huge. So, it and the recovery huge. from coronavirus.
1: Yeah, yeah and, and it, it, it just uh, also spends one third of the entire government's budget, I believe. Yeah. I mean, we, we sometimes forget about this ministry, but it is indeed one of the largest ministries that we have. Um, but yeah, um, it's a little bit of a shame because Wouter Commerce is a very uh, highly appreciated politician and uh, uh, is held in high regard and, yeah. uh, and, yeah, and he hasn't, little bit... as
0: far as we know invested in any tax havens <laughs> no exactly <laughs> even though he is the
1: absolute uh, 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 authority on pensions he knows everything about yeah. it so I mean he probably has come up with some sort of shady deal that will uh, make sure that he will have a lot of money I think I mean if someone can pull it off it's probably <laughs> cool. uh, now th- he's very trustworthy uh, yeah. uh, in general so yeah uh, I-, I can't imagine the is doing st- stuff like this, um, but yeah, it's a little bit of a shame that he will resign and he will not come back to politics. So, yeah, that's a little bit uh, yeah. uh that was a little bit of sad news. But it's also the 13th minister that resigned from Rutte's third yeah. cabinet. So, yeah, it's uh, 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 I said we see um, I said we saw uh, informateurs come and go, but you know, uh, in, in terms of ministers, that is even yeah. more the case.
0: Yeah, it's Um, hard to know whether you can still call it the Third Ritter Cabinet, really. It's kind of Cabinet of Ritter CA uh... now. It? Yeah, it's, it's uh, completely, completely yeah. reshuffled. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's like that old joke about you've uh, had the same broom for twenty years. It's had eight new handles and two new, <laughs> ten new heads. You know, yeah. like, at What point does <laughs> yeah, it stop being the same broom?
1: So yeah, they uh, didn't waste uh, a day. Uh, Wouter Koopmans and Johan Remkes immediately after their appointment, they started uh, their job. They invited uh, the four political leaders to the logement at the Plein in in The Hague, uh, one of the few nice buildings uh, uh, in the vicinity of of the binnenhof that's still available. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, just,
0: it's just nowhere near the, uh, uh, what, what do we call it again? Uh, Gaudi's minist- uh, East German Ministry or something?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, B67 we should call it. That's the official yeah. name. But uh, right. okay. yeah, that also sounds very ongezellig, right, that uh, yeah. B67. Um yeah, so uh, they, they met with the four party leaders, and at the end of the day, all of them uh, joined uh, for one big meeting. And they announced they will go to a uh, informal setting in the weekend again. So we can finally see what Gert Jans Geger's uh, casual outfit looks like. Uh,
0: do we want to see that, Paul?
1: Well, as long
0: as it's not super dry or Gymshark, then. uh, (laughs) That's true, it can't be worse. I don't really mind. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a sneaky suspicion he wears cardigans. He looks like a cardigan wearer to me. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, when can we expect a new government?
1: Yeah, on the one hand, you'd you'd expect that the negotiations between these parties can go very fast because, after all, the, the negotiators know each other very well, and after four years of sitting in a coalition together, they uh, you know know w- on what topics they agree and which not. But on the other hand, uh, there remain uh, several items that need to be addressed, and they very much disagree on. For example, how about that document Rutte the Karg wrote during the summer, yeah. uh, which was supposed to be the outline of a coalition agreement? It was the summer homework, wasn't it? It the, was uh, the kind of summer the homework. homework. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Dezes Sester and VVD disagree on the status of that document while Dezes 60 still sees it as the basis for negotiations. Rutte initially denied that, but uh, he was reprimanded by Johan Remkes and he had to take that back. He shouldn't have phrased it that way, uh, yeah. Rutte said. Um, but if the document really forms the starting point of negotiations, we we could all uh, have read it, I have to say <laughs> i didn't but uh None gordon you I read it saying. i know you did i know you, i know gordon <laughs> yeah, did. okay if you say so <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 the document can can turn out to be a little bit problematic for cda and definitely for christian uni too uh because they oppose the medical ethical issues that were addressed in this document and also um uh the document also wrote about uh 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 you know, easing Article Twenty Three, the freedom of education, yeah. something that also uh, 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 the Christian Union uh, holds dear very much. Um, yeah. So yeah, a lot of uh, Christian Union. I think I think it was Rechanseres uh, who who said afterwards that it was uh, really a liberal document. Uh, he did, not he? He, he
0: said it's a document that been clearly been written by two liberal parties, which was you know f- from his perspective um, not uh, n- not an endorsement, not a recommendation. And of course, Hoekstra, after that was published, uh, said um because it was uh Kuhn links and van de der so were very enthusiastic about it they said yes we can definitely work with this which immediately kind of prompted hookstar to say well I can't go in a coalition with three left-wing parties so then he was kind of drawing, yeah. he, he, he was basically bundling d66 up with uh links and pay uh, as left wing parties, which these these zestek really aren't, uh, but nevertheless, uh, you know the, the, that was Hookstra's point of view. Says so he was kind of rejecting it on that basis. So yeah, yeah it's going to be difficult to if they do use that as a basis of negotiations. They're going to have to really rip the bones out of it. I think.
1: Yeah, and and remember the the whole. Christian sister clash their disagreement on especially these topics were the initial yeah. reason why we ended up in this impasse in the first place because yeah. um, uh, d sister said after the election yeah we won we don't want to work together with the Christian Uni anymore because we want uh, the embryo law and uh, 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 the donor law and uh, abortion we don't want to have uh, 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 another four years of of of, uh, of standstill on these topics yeah. we want we want we want progress and you know this, that's something that the christian Union can never agree on so yeah um i mean given that history uh both parties need to score some points in these areas right because yeah. christian Union also said yeah well we can't join a coalition if there's a sister uh, insist on these uh on these plans so yeah that's going to be a very tough uh, topic indeed uh, something that initially uh, before the election and also after, immediately after the election, I, I never thought was going to be such a hot topic because you know the urgency isn't isn't there. Um, but yeah, they made it into 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 a into a major point. So yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's definitely going to clash. Yeah,
0: has become a real deal breaker. I mean, Zestuch seemed to put forward the idea of making it a free vote, a vote of conscience in Parliament. And, uh, and of course, uh, Chris Sununi uh, would vote against, but also I think the CDR would also vote against things like uh, yeah. faltoid laven, uh, which is you know, allowing anyone over 75 um, to uh, ask for ass- assisted dying from their doctor. Uh, and uh, I think CDI and CAU will think they can get the votes in Parliament to block that. because. Of the, um, but, but as you say, it is bizarre that these things have become uh, deal breakers uh, at a time when we have so many big issues uh, yeah. to, to, to sort out. Yeah, things like uh, you know, the recovery from coronavirus and, uh, as we mentioned a bit, the, the, the uh, very sharp rise in, um, in, in energy prices uh, and the fact that uh, we don't have enough houses.
1: Yeah, a, a, a lot of uh, we have a lot of urgent business to attend, indeed, and also Deza Zester will probably feel it deserves to score a lot of points after you know it was them who broke the impasse. pass, so they yeah. probably think they des- they will deserve a lot of. Uh, uh, uh a lot of points and also uh, uh they really need these points to, to make sure that uh, uh, uh they can bring back the DSS 60 voters. We initially were very displeased with Kaag uh, for letting go uh, GroenLinks and PvdA and at the same time these two parties, GroenLinks and PvdA, also need to be uh, uh need to be kept happy because their support in the Senate is also uh crucial for uh for the for the government's plans to um to become reality. So yeah that's it's also another item they need to take into account, and yeah. uh, these parties have said they really don't want anything to do with uh, with the with the new cabinet. But you know, as we have seen, after seven months, everything can change. So maybe if in seven months, they uh, they have made a U-turn.
0: Yes, we will see. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, do, uh, yeah. The data successors will argue they that they deserve the credit for breaking the unpass, But of course, the context is that they they did that because the alternative was. New elections. New elections where yeah. they were going to lose or they, yeah. were, going to, yeah, they were, not, were not going to get 24 MPs again. So yeah, I think exactly. you look at it from that yeah. point of view, you can say, well, yeah, it was it was sort of forced on them by circumstances. Yeah, but
1: that's not how, uh, how they how it will spin it, right? No. So uh, yeah, no. they're taking responsibility
0: and uh, yeah, of course stuff like that. But the good news is uh, we've, we do finally have now... Uh, the next stage of coalition talks we should stress this doesn't mean we have a government it means we have no. four parties who are prepared to form a government so it's still going to take a couple of months
1: yeah well and they can't they can't uh, i think someone asked um Kar, do we have new government before christmas and she said I think she 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 um, she, uh, she responded positive about that. So yeah, maybe that is a good uh, indication that we will have a new government uh, quite soon. But yeah. yeah, no, they can't they can't uh, have an agreement too fast, right? Because that will, will that would look like uh, uh, as if we're just going to continue on the old way. So yeah, yeah. They, I think they are definitely going to take that time, uh, yeah. if it is required or not. Yeah. Uh, and I do think uh, they, they need that time. And also young Remkes and um, uh, Colmeis announced that they were going to have two sort of agreements. They will have a core agreement where they will um, uh, stipulate and line out uh, what the plans and what the goals of the new cabinet are. And then there comes another uh, agreement that will uh, uh, explain how they are going to do it. But that uh, uh, is, is less set in stone than the, than the, than the first uh, agreement yeah. because other parties can uh, join in and, uh, you know, make a judgment and uh, they will actively look for a broad support in the Tweede Kamer among uh, opposition parties. So, uh, yeah, yeah that, is, uh, that is the plan.
0: Yeah, and Jan Rankers has said that he has a deadline in his head, but he won't tell anyone what it is. In, in the spirit of this new open, transparent, uh, administrative <laughs> yeah. culture,
1: right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. don't, yeah, I hate that every time someone says, yeah, <laughs> we're not going to give away our cards, everybody is saying, yeah, the, we, we, we were promised transparency and openness. I mean, but in negotiations, you just can't be uh, transparent and open. That's just how it works. But yeah, what do you think? We I think we already made a bet, right, off the record. We said yes. that we were going to, you said we we're going to... I said to, before Christmas, didn't we? Before I? Christmas, so I or said for the sake year, of the... Maybe. Before yet, no, Christmas, yeah. Christmas, you said well, Christmas. Well, nothing
0: happens between Christmas and New Year, so it's Christmas, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And yeah. Uh, so uh, we'll be in Berlin by Christmas, you say, and I yes. say it will take a, lot, <laughs> a little more time for the sake of, uh, of the bet. So uh, right. I hope they will take a lot of time now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> a judge has thrown out a challenge to the Corona Pass system that was introduced two weeks ago to replace social distancing in indoor venues such as bars, restaurants and cinemas. Bart Maas had claimed that the QR check broke the Dutch constitution and European human rights laws because it discriminated against people who had not been vaccinated. But the district court in The Hague decided that the test for entry system was legitimate because unvaccinated people carried a higher risk of transmitting the virus. Mass had said on a talk show on Omro Brabant that he expected courts across Europe to throw out coronavirus power systems, but not everywhere. He said France is France, and as we know, <laughs> Austria and Germany have a rich tradition of exclusion and discrimination. <laughs> Did so, he really very, say this? He really said this, yep. <laughs> yep. In court? Was, okay. No, yeah. not in court. No, on, oh. te- on television. Okay, yeah. But I mean, yeah, but,
1: France is France. We know that. That's yeah. that's uh, undeniably but, true. But uh, yeah, the other statement is a little bit uh,
0: yeah. a, 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 a bit of dog whistling, maybe. I think. In baby, maybe. Just a little bit. It's been a bad week for COVID deniers in the courts. Uh, supporters of vegan restaurant Waku Waku lost two cases in one day last Friday. <laughs> the owners failed to overturn Utah council's. They should
1: have. They should have held this uh, this uh, this court case on a different moon day. They should, I mean, just yeah. just their fault. Yeah, yep,
0: yeah that, that, that surely influenced the result. Uh, the owners failed to overturn Utrecht Council's decision to shut the restaurant because it refused to check people's corona passes. And demonstrators were told they couldn't hold a protest outside the front door because of the risk to traffic and because they were blocking the restaurant uh, next door, which also had to close. But yeah. on the plus side, they've now raised €250,000 in crowdfunding. So
1: Are they going to uh, send it to the uh, British Virgin Islands or...?
0: Perhaps they will, or perhaps they'll, yeah. uh, I don't know, perhaps, perhaps they'll invest it in, um, in in a disabled access toilet so that they don't discriminate <laughs> at, at against people on medical grounds. Who knows.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe there is a Caribbean island somewhere called Waku Waku and they can go there. <laughs> but there was one uh, COVID conspirator that had a very good day in court this
0: week, right? Yes, uh, Wiebe van Hager. Uh He's uh, got his LinkedIn page back. Uh, he's he, now the leader of, uh, he's, he's got a name for his uh, uh, parliamentary group, hasn't he? He's called it Belang NL or something. Belang yeah, van yeah. Nederland, yeah. Belang van Nederland, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's the name for his party. Which so not, uh, non, is not it's not Top Nederland, it's not <laughs> no. Freie Nederland or any of the other uh, political parties that have got uh, the name to come to in them. It's Befe NL. Befeil NL, that's it. No. Yeah, not NL Befe or Shopperdepot no. Befe. <laughs> <Yeah>. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but he was thrown off LinkedIn uh, for trivialising the number of COVID deaths and claiming face masks were useless. Uh, but a judge said LinkedIn hadn't justified its decision and ordered it to restore Van Hacher's page, except for nine posts that were ruled to contain disinformation. And uh, the lovely coach of this is that uh, Thierry Bodet <laughs> posted a response on Twitter where he quite gleefully pointed out that Van Hacher had been uh, found guilty on two out of three counts by the court to be spreading disinformation but uh, the snag for him is that the page was removed in December 2020 when Van Hacker was still a member of Forum for Democracy so the disinformation that uh, Baudet castigated him for spreading was in fact Baudet's disinformation (laughs) so a lovely cell phone there by Thierry which we all enjoyed
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he said, like, he, <laughs> he was pointing at Van Hagen and said, you know, actually, uh, he was still convicted of, of yeah. saying bullshit. And it was his own bullshit that he was convicted of. I <laughs> yeah, mean he it's he's just,
0: by his own bullshit. It yeah, it's a
1: <laughs> glorious thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, going back to, uh, to, uh, to some real uh, information, what's the latest on the coronavirus infections?
0: Uh, they're going up again. Uh, So yeah, uh, When the last weekly report it was a 2% increase, doesn't sound too bad, but on Thursday we had more than 2,700 cases, uh, which is the highest number for several weeks. Uh, That did include some missing numbers from Wednesday because we've had a number of these uh, periodic uh, technical (laughs) problems that uh, afflicts the day on a regular basis. But even allowing for that, uh, cases have gone up by nearly 15% in the last seven days, and we haven't seen that kind of increase since uh, the dark days of Dunson-Metiansen. (laughs) <laughs> uh the positive test rate
1: is which up were pretty, a very dark days in there were very very yeah. dark days yeah uh, very traumatic
0: the land. yeah uh the positive test rate is up to 8.6 percent and i always think that's kind of the first early indicator that things are going wrong uh two weeks ago it was uh, around seven and a half percent and uh hospital admissions have stopped falling um icu emissions are still going down but it looks as if everything is kind of grinding to a halt and uh turning back up again. Uh, We are doing better than this time last year when we had around 4,000 cases a day and they were going up by 40% a week. But the question is whether the government will react in time uh, or wait until the health service is at breaking point, which is what they did uh, last October and last December and in April (laughs) and in July.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I saw one of these maps of the ECDC, uh, which showed that the Netherlands is doing better than Almost uh, uh, the whole of Germany. Yeah. Uh, only uh, Schleswig-Holstein uh, is in the same color scheme as uh, as the Netherlands, which yeah. uh, which flag is the upside down version of, of the Dutch flag. So, oh. yeah, I think uh, I think Schleswig-Holstein is just uh, 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 a part of the Netherlands now. I think.
0: Right. Yeah, it'll be we, like meet and drink to the conspirators who think that if you turn the flag upside down, it's a sign of protest. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We should yeah. all
1: send them there. I think.
0: Yeah. Yes. Just in general. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. So that, yeah, I mean, every country's had good and bad phases of the pandemic, and right yeah. now uh, we are doing better than Germany, having done much worse than Germany for most of the last eighteen months. But uh, we should point that out seemed, too. Yeah, yeah. It seems like the tide is turning. Um, yeah, but yeah, let's see what happens. Hopefully, the vaccinations mean that we won't have the kind of you know dramatic spikes that we had uh, in the past. And. Um, I see you wrote a pun for me. I wrote a uh, pun every- for you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. But not
1: everyone's a happy bunny about the end of the lockdown, right?
0: And you're talking about pandemic pets, <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Dogs and cats uh, became very popular during lockdown, especially dogs, because, of course, uh, taking a dog out for a walk was, was a legitimate reason to go out after nine o'clock, after curfew time. Uh, oh, yeah, the curfew that, that was supposed to last uh,
1: until the end of days, right? That's right, yeah. According to the uh, according to the uh, conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theorist, yeah.
0: Yeah, so so lots of people went out and got a dog so they could take it out for a walk after dark, um, and there were worries that uh, once the restrictions were lifted, people would just abandon their dogs. But uh, so far, that hasn't really happened. Uh, Dick oh. Maftichal of Herming, which is a lovely example of uh, nominative determinism, <laughs> yeah. uh, told Newbent NL that the big dumping peak we feared would come is not happening for now. But there's less good news for rabbits and guinea pigs, which are turning up uh, in animal shelters in bigger numbers than usual. So it seems as if, it was, paradoxically, it's kind of the stay-at-home pets that people don't want yeah. anymore.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder, I wonder what the reasoning or the explanation behind that is, or if it's actually related or not. I mean, surely it isn't somehow related. But hmm. I mean, if you have to stay at home, then you know, getting a guinea pig would seem to be the 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 worst. <laughs> uh, idea you can possibly have
0: yeah maybe it's because i mean obviously the school's shut down these are pets that people often get for their children right mm. so maybe could maybe be. children uh, you know, people bought a rabbit or a guinea pig for their to keep their children occupied during lockdown so they could get on with work while their kids were otherwise occupied and now that the kids are back in school the parents aren't really interested in feeding the rabbit anymore
1: mm, yeah that's so poor,
0: flo- poor floppy goes off to the animal shelter that's my yeah. theory or maybe it's the phase of the moon and maybe you know, <laughs> next, next week everyone will want the rabbits back again.
1: Junior Justice Minister Anki Brookers-Knoll Anki Brookers-Knoll Yes, thank you. Has apologized for her remarks made in an interview with Algemeen Dagblad newspaper at the weekend in which she said 100,000 Afghan nationals could be heading for the Netherlands. The comments led to half and angry questions from MPs, from coalition to opposition, and from left to right, Knoll came under fire. Sedia described her comments as misleading, while D66 called it bizarre, and said the interview undermined the high motion, which uh, was backed by a majority of parliament and says everyone who worked for the Netherlands in Afghanistan should be helped and evacuated. The PVV, on the other hand, was mad at the junior minister for apologizing. Brookers Knoll told MPs she made the calculation based on the 23,000 emails a special foreign affairs ministry hotline received from people claiming to be eligible for resettlement in the Netherlands. The true figure remains unclear. Yeah, she, she said uh, usually people coming to the Netherlands bring four or five relatives. So, yes, yeah, she just multiplied this 23,000 with four or, or five and and came up with the 100,000 number in that way. But, you know, it remains unclear if it was actually 23,000 people who contacted the foreign ministry because many people have sent m- uh, multiple emails. So the true number remains a little bit unclear. Right. Um, so uh, yeah uh, Brookers Knoll yeah. said she only wanted to point out that the Netherlands would not be able to cope with 100,000 new asylum seekers but acknowledged that she shouldn't have used the hypothetical number and uh, yeah there was more op about the same interview because Brookers Knoll also warned that having so many people leaving Afghanistan would lead to a brain drain in the country and that's interesting the same argument the Taliban uses to justify uh, forbidding people from leaving Afghanistan so yeah. yeah that was also a little bit awkward yeah but
0: a little bit awkward yeah and especially as most of talented people especially the women are not going to have any work in Afghanistan anyway which is the whole reason that they want and need to leave the country exactly yeah uh, but there's also some news about Afghan nationals uh, still waiting to be evacuated.
1: Yeah, a number of Afghan nationals who were on the Dutch evacuation list but were left in Kabul have made it over the border to Pakistan and they will be brought back to the Netherlands. Uh, that's what the Foreign Affairs Ministry has told uh, NSA newspaper. The Netherlands has urged n- people not to attempt to cross the border because of the dangers, but fi- the 58 have made the journey anyway and did have email and telephone uh, help from the Dutch authorities uh, on their way. The group are now in the Pakistan capital of Islamabad, and half will leave for the Netherlands by plane, after first taking a coronavirus test, yeah. because of course, we cannot have infected people coming to the Netherlands, of course. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they also have to show a QR code before they uh, board the plane, but uh, the others will be brought out at a later date. The ministry has also confirmed that another group of some 50 Afghan nationals made the journey to Pakistan in September, uh, and in total the Netherlands brought uh, almost 1900 people out of Kabul during the evacuations, which followed to withdrawal of people keeping forces. Uh, of them just over 1,000 were interpreters and other essential workers and their families and they are now going through the asylum process.
0: It's kind of strange to see Anki broekers knoll who um, we always think of this as, as one of, the, kind of the, the, the the nice people in the Dutch government, uh, really just kind of uh, coming out with this stuff and then being rounded on by all sides for it.
1: You know, she used to be the chair of, of the Eerste Kamer of the Senate, and in yeah. that role she was uh, uh, highly appreciated and very much liked, uh, but you know, as a minister, she's uh, she turns out not to not to be that capable, and she's making a lot of mistakes. It reminds me a little bit of um, of Job Cohen, uh, who was mayor of Amsterdam and also highly appreciated. And when he came to to the politics in the Hague, and uh, he joined the uh, political arena in the Hague, uh, became PVDA leader. He was leader of the Labour Party. He 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 failed miserably because all yeah. of a sudden. Uh, he, he stepped out of this sort of neutral role, uh, which he did very well, just like Ankepukus yeah. Knorr, and all of a sudden as a politician, he turned out not to be so great after all.
0: It's that time again when we say thank you to all our lovely patrons for keeping us going through the coronavirus pandemic, the never-ending coalition talks, um, and now the gaspocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> We're very grateful for your continued support in helping us to help you understand what's going on. As ever, we'll give new patrons a shout-out and invite you to ask us any questions you have about life in the Netherlands. Uh, if you haven't yet joined our band of patrons, you can do so for as little as a dollar or a euro a month by logging on to www.patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Dutch News NL.
1: In the unlikely event, you have some money to spare after your energy bill comes
0: in. Yeah, because we'll come to that now, because the average household may have to find another 550 euros for gas and electricity next year, following a surge in the market price of gas. The unit price is now eight times higher than it was a year ago, and burst through the 100 euro barrier for the first time this week. I think, in fact, it went up to about 118 euros. Insane, yeah. The sort of alert level by the Khasuni, who run the network, is 35. They say if the price goes over 35 euros, uh, then the government should take action. And it's now three times that. And that's pushed up the rate of inflation to 2.7%, its highest level for nearly two years, and wiped out the tiny increases in people's notional disposable income. uh, The Kohlkraft in the last budget. (laughs) Around 650,000 households in the Netherlands live in fuel poverty, which means they spend more than 10% of their income on energy bills. And watchdogs say a hike in prices will hit people living in private rented housing more because their homes are less likely to have proper insulation or double glazing. Though that's also true for quite a few people living in social housing, social rented housing. Huh. The high prices are also hitting businesses. Aluminium manufacturer Aldel, which is based in Del Sale, has cut its production by 70% from this week because its overhead costs are too high.
1: So, um, Gordon, can you explain why the price of gas is going up so fast?
0: Kind of. Uh, it's, it's sort of a combination of the world getting back to work after the coronavirus shutdown. Uh, the prices were very low uh, about 18 months ago. And there's very high demand for gas from Asia, particularly LPG gas. Yeah, the price for a barrel of oil last April dipped below $20, and it's now back up to just below $80. Also, what hasn't helped is the fact we had a very cold winter, or a long cold winter last year. Not just in February, when Vodka Hooks, I remember, famously went skating, but also April was unusually cold. So that meant we ran down our gas reserves, which are now, at the start of October, we're down to about 58% of capacity. Usually they're at 90 to to 100%. And the Khasuni, uh, which runs the network, as I said, they say that's not enough to last through another cold winter. So if it's really freezing this year, we could be in trouble. Something else that's changed, of course, is the fact that the Netherlands doesn't produce its own gas anymore, or not very much of it. Yeah. Now, there were good reasons for winding down production in Cronia, and uh, if we'd forgotten, we had three earthquakes in Loposum just this week. But it does mean we're much more exposed to fluctuations on the international market. Now, the Hague Centre for Strategic Studies produced a report this week saying we should keep the Cronia fields open in the short term. The Netherlands should sign fixed rate contracts with gas exporters, uh, as other countries do, and it should do more to exploit offshore gas fields in the North Sea. But that's also controversial, um, because as we know, there's been protests on the island of against plans to build a gas pipeline. Through or underneath the island.
1: Yeah, and if uh, if people on Sint start to revolt, then you know that uh, things are really uh, yeah, out absolutely. of hand. Yeah, it might be that last bit of uh, German DNA that's still uh, stuck in the island, <laughs> yeah.
0: as the last part of the Netherlands to be uh, liberated after the war. Yeah.
1: So, what other solutions are being put forward? Because you know this is starting to become a real crisis now, right? It is.
0: It's really starting to pinch, and people are you know, looking forward with kind of dread to what their energy bill is going to be next year. I mean, you want a fixed contract bill?
1: Uh, yeah. My building um, provides that. I don't know what kind of uh, – it's some sort of social housing, the student housing. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what kind of contract they have.
0: Yeah, but I think a lot of people – I mean, people who are on variable contracts already start to notice uh, big rises in their bills. And people on fixed contracts, they tend to be renewed at the start of the year. I had a look actually. I, I, I set a two-year contract, but sadly I set it two years ago. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> my bill is going to go up quite quite sharply in about December, I think, when uh, when I'm due to renew it. But yeah, uh, the cabinet had already set aside £375 in uh, the budget for next year to help people on low incomes pay their bills. But that was before the real spike in prices started, and ministers have admitted it's caught them by surprise. Uh, Volker Huckstra said this week he's going to go back and look at the options again and reopen the budget uh, calculations. Uh, said he'll do anything possible to ease the burden. That could include lowering or even suspending energy taxes, or perhaps rerouting them through a shell company in the British Virgin Islands. <laughs> uh, the von Bont, the Tenants Association, has called on the government to freeze rents for people living in the least energy-efficient houses because their bills can be up to 40% higher than uh, those of people who live in homes with uh, double glazing and better insulation. The Socialist Party echoed that call in Parliament, so far, there hasn't been any talk of freezing gas prices altogether, which is what they're doing in France, uh, for example. Uh, the European Union is also coming under pressure to take action. They're holding a summit in Slovenia where southern European nations uh, say there should be direct action on gas prices, but countries in the north, like Germany and the Netherlands, say so we need to press ahead with the transition to renewable energy. I mentioned that report by the Hague uh, Centre for Strategic Studies oh. uh, about possibly restarting gas production in Kroningen, but the King's Commissioner for the province, Rene Pass, ruled that out uh, on New Zealand last night. Um, he said it was this historic decision could only be reversed if we actually start running out of gas because it's uh, we have a, a really bad cold winter again. Russia said it will produce more gas to plug the gap, which used um, a few people's fears. Uh, that was, I think, on Thursday. But that has also reminded us that uh, we're all increasingly dependent on the goodwill of Novichok poison of Vladimir Putin.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: The Russian president this week uh, took the opportunity to argue that abandoning fossil fuels was a tactical mistake by the EU. He sees this is a great opportunity because he can he can profit from selling more gas to Europe.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, we're, we're not even abandoned fossil fuels because, you know, that's the reason why you have the shortage now. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> because we're yeah. still dependent on it. yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we want to transition to renewable energy, but you can't do it overnight in the short term. You still need gas. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, that's the EU coming under pressure from Putin to, you yeah, to, know, to, 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 who's attacking the renewable policy and is ever trying to just sort of destabilize things uh, uh, by arguing Europe should go back to fossil fuels. I'll leave you with this thought, which is that there is an emergency plan if we have a bitterly cold winter and we start running out of gas, which is basically a kind of fuel lockdown, which is the government telling people to consume less energy. And the first uh, stage of this is that uh, there'll be adverts on television, government information adverts, uh, your favourite thing, Paul, telling us to take fewer showers and only use one one pan for cooking. So if you want a nightmare vision of the future, it's Steph Block on your television (laughs) telling you to cook snert every day for the next two months. Will he rap, though? <laughs> he probably will. No, I can't imagine Steph Block rapping. Can you? You, you know it's really no. desperate if Steph Block starts rapping. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But
1: I've seen uh, Pete Hein Donner r- uh, rap. So, yeah, I think uh, uh, that's not a big step away from uh, imagining uh, Steph Block rapping. So. Yeah. But it is definitely a nightmare scenario. So, please, yep. please.
0: but please, We need to do anything we can to, to prevent the uh, the Steph Block snare rap. <laughs> exactly.
1: An animal shelter for big cats has taken in seven lions from Romania, where they were kept by a private owner in poor living conditions. The animals, which were both neglected and traumatized, arrived in the Felida shelter in Friesland last week and are doing as well as might be expected, according to manager Simone Schultz. The big cats will be kept in Friesland for a few months while receiving the extensive care they need. At least five lions will then be taken to an animal shelter in South Africa where they will live in the semi-wilderness. I mean, if they are looking for semi-wilderness, they could have gone to Drenthe, right?
0: Yeah, but there's no hunebedden in, in South Africa. so That's right, yeah.
1: Because
0: lions like to climb about on rocks, right? Although they're not, you're not allowed to do that in Drenthe anymore. So <laughs> perhaps that's why.
1: Won't they make an exception for lions? Oh, I don't know. No, probably not. No exceptions. Wolves
0: and lions are allowed yeah. to walk on the unibed and nobody else.
1: Yeah, as long as they uh, have a proper QR code. <laughs> um, the animals were brought to the attention of International Animal Rescue Group 4Pass when a video clip by a Romanian artist featured uh, one of the lions, and it was criticized on social media. So y- you see, op sometimes can lead to to positive yeah. things. The animal appeared to have lesions to its feet, prompting the Romanian authorities to take the lions, only to return it to its owner later. Uh, the man turned out to have nine lions, which he kept in small cages with hardly any water, no greenery, nor space or, or heating. Uh, probably also, uh, he was also suffering from the gas shortage. Yes. Um, a rescue mission for the lions was set up uh, after the Romanian uphef by four paws, and luckily not by Ank <laughs> Beileveld and Sigrid Kaag. Yeah. Or Ankie Bruckers Knoll Did she yeah. say
0: that we'd have like a ten thousand lions coming to the <laughs> Netherlands if we let these ones in?
1: I don't know how, how fast she thinks uh, lions uh, reproduce, but uh, no, yeah. it was only she, nine just lions. Just make up a number. Just make up a number. Um, two of the lions and a cub had to uh, stay behind, unfortunately, though, because the owner refused to part with them. I'm just really interested to see how that works because yeah. I really don't understand that. The wounded lion with the very uh, imaginative name of Simba will not go to South Africa. His deformed back and undeveloped manes means Simba can simply not survive in the wild. It's like the, the, the Richard the third of the yeah. of the lions right yeah. Yeah, with this deformed back. The, the
0: Cosimodo back. of the lion world.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Simba will live the rest of his life here in, in
0: Friesland. So, uh, well, well, he'll, yeah. have, he'll have everything catered for as long as he submits his bondages on time.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, the trade in wild and protected animals is a worldwide problem, and it's bigger than we might think, said Petra Sleven, that's the director of Four Paws in the Netherlands. An estimated 600 big cats are held in captivity in Europe, and the trade in wild animals is prohibited, of course, but in many countries it is simply not sufficiently policed.
0: So, uh, yeah, after the abandoned dogs and cats or the abandoned rabbits and uh, guinea pigs, uh, a positive animal story. The Dutch Football Association, KNVB has called on police to investigate allegations of match-fixing in youth team games. A new podcast series by NOS, Fixed spoke to a man claiming to be a fixer who said he'd bribed five players in Aircasse's youth team to lose a match to JC in 2019. Ekase did indeed lose the game, 2-1, after conceding two late goals, and data analysts noticed unusual betting patterns during the game. Hmm. Especially during the first half, when so much momentum was staked on a Gwoda victory, they went from outsiders to favourites, even though nothing really happened on the pitch. Like, there were no goals, there were no red cards, Rhoda weren't dominating the game, so no real reason why suddenly all, all the people betting on the game fancied them. Experts said youth team matches were easy prey for fixers because the players don't earn very much money and hardly anyone watches the game, so there's no supervision. The Canfé Bay said it would investigate the claims, but it really needed a police investigation because they don't have the power to seize bank records or telephone records.
1: Hmm. All right. Yeah.
0: So, really, unsurprising news of the week. I think yeah. that um, sp- sports fixtures that nobody's watching and where the players hardly earn any money are kind of vulnerable to fixers coming in and saying. Because I think the guy said he paid fifteen hundred euros per player to fix the match, hmm. which, uh, given okay. that he then earned, I think about twenty thousand in betting, was a pretty good investment. Almost as good yeah. as uh, investing in the British Virgin Islands.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and also, unsurprisingly, the Canva Bay cannot do anything because you know they are. So they never if can. They're incapable. Yeah, they never can.
0: Given that they can't even, you know, develop a, a basic protocol against racism, it's not really surprising that uh, when they come up with a really serious financial crime that they're kind of a bit supine about that as well.
1: Exactly. So, what's happening in the squeaky clean Eredivisie?
0: Well, Ajax lost at the weekend, 1-0 to Utrecht, uh, which is their first defeat in the Dutch league for 30 matches. And mm. the winning goal was scored by a former Ajax Academy player, Junko Vamadam. Sounds like his life should be made into a movie, just on the strength of that <laughs> yeah. name alone.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: It means the champions are just one point ahead of PSV at the top of the table. This weekend, it's World Cup qualifying time. Yeah, so the Dutch national team are taking on Latvia on Friday evening in Riga. Uh, It's the first time that uh, away fans have been allowed back in a match since the start of the coronavirus, by the way. Hmm. And on Monday night, the might of Gibraltar are coming to Amsterdam. Right. Are they bringing their baboons? Probably, I think, half their supporters will be Barbary apes. And uh, the others will be legacies of British colonialism. So how (laughs) you tell the two apart, I don't know. (laughs) The closest rivals in the group, Turkey and Norway, are playing each other on Friday. So it's a great opportunity for the Dutch to take a clear lead in the group with two matches to play. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl and if you want to help us out please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. And you can now also back us on Patreon at patreon.com dutchnews.nl and earn yourself a free shout out on the podcast. My thanks to Paul Peters, I'm Gordon Derek and we'll be back next week. <coughs> Excuse me. Bless you. Yes.
1: did you did you sneeze at some point during my uh, monologue or I I, I, I,
0: did, I I well i did um switch the microphone off and uh, yeah off. I, yeah I, I thought so yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. okay